Welcome to Catechesis, also known as Cats and Jesus. Catechesis is Greek for teaching, and that's what our hosts, Reverend James Goodlett and Reverend Adam Roberts, will do with this podcast, Teach. Each week, they will study, discuss, and dissect the week's scripture and spoken word. Catechesis is a digital outreach of First Presbyterian Church of LaGrange. Welcome your hosts, James and Adam. Welcome to Catechesis, a production of Lewis and Broad Media. My name is James Goodlett. I'm one of the pastors here at First Presbyterian Church in beautiful downtown LaGrange, Georgia. I am in the studio today with the Reverend Dr. Adam Roberts. Adam. Hello, my friend. You doing all right? Doing great. It's spring out there, man. Doing wonderful. I walked from the hill on down Broad Street. So lovely. And the hill, a.k.a. LaGrange College. That's right. That's right. That's yeah, what using the, a little local vernacular. That's what the people call it. The college. You know, I almost never say LaGrange College. It's a little pompous, but the college. That's right. And, I went on uh, a little walkie walk, too, this morning. It was lovely. Watched the sunrise. It's just a nice time of year, although it could just as soon be 20 degrees tomorrow as well. It's it's That's definitely fake out spring. Yes. It's, it's decoy spring. Don't go for it. Those southern winters, you just never know what you're going to get. It's not <laughs> even Super Bowl Sunday yet. I mean... Yeah, not not time to be setting out tomato plants. No. <laughs> I remember when Atlanta hosted the Super Bowl, what, 8, 10, 12, 15? I don't remember how many years ago it was. There was that ice storm. It can happen, y'all. It can happen. So enjoy it while you got it. Fingers crossed. Exactly. If you'd like to hear other podcasts of this esteemed organization, Lewis and Broad, go to lewisandbroad.org or check us out. On our social media at Lewis and Broad. Season 5 is en route. I'm looking at the sketch board for what Season 5 is going to be all about. I believe we'll have some information fairly soon, right, Aunt Rhonda? Leighton Parker is in the house, as always, directing us, cautioning us, judging us, all the things. I can, there's one thing I can say. Uh, Listen LaGrange. Listen LaGrange is a music festival to fight poverty. That will be happening on April 23rd at the Pure Life House of Music. And Leighton is also working at a feverish pace on the set list, or at least the uh, artist list. And I'll tell you, Adam, if it turns out, like what I'm seeing. I mean, if we are able to land these folks that she's got drafted over here on this piece of post-it newsprint, it is going to be quite a festival. It looks awesome. And I know uh, of and about several of these folks and those I haven't heard in person, I've heard wonderful things about. I'm telling you what, it is a music festival for a good cause for Circles of Troop County, where both of our wives have a a bit of a role to play. We we love some circles of Troop County. I do believe in what they do. That's for sure. So, uh, in helping people build community and overcome poverty. Put it on your calendar, y'all. April twenty third, beginning about one o'clock over at Pure Life House of Music. Can't wait. And like I said, be on the lookout for more news about season five of Lewis and Broad. Now, onto the scripture for the day for catechesis. 
We're still in Matthew. I, I told y'all we would be in Matthew for a minute, and that we are. We are finishing up Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 to the end. It is quite a scripture. Adam, you and I were kind of kind of struggling with this one today, weren't we? I think I guess that was probably the point. I think anybody who takes Jesus's teachings seriously and wants to follow Jesus, uh, walk the path in their lifetime, when you read this sermon, uh, much like the people who heard it originally, I think there's got to be some reaction that it just makes you say, wow, this is uh, this is a lot. This is challenging. This could be hard to understand. If I do understand, what does it mean exactly? So there's a lot to think about. Well, the thing about it is it starts off with this, the beatitude language, blesseds, and challenging language, but language that we tend to remember, blessed are the poor, and or blessed are, that's Luke, blessed are the poor in spirit here in Matthew. Um you know, a series, a series of blesseds. Uh, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then uh, as we got into last week, you get this, you're the salt of the earth language, you are the light of the world. For whatever reason, the rest of the book, though, starts to really hit home. I mean, it really seems that Jesus ups the ante. Now, I think we would do well to remember that whenever he says you, in this passage, this pericope. <laughs> it's plural you, as in y'all. The other thing I think would be really important for us to remember as we frame this sucker up, this, this verses 21 uh, through 48, is to remember exactly what came before it in verses 17 through 20. And we've told y'all before that Jesus, Matthew's Jesus, was really enacted to be the new Moses. And so bearing that in mind, in verse 17, Jesus says something very important as the new Moses. Do not think I've come to abolish the law. I have not come to abolish, but to fulfill. So it, it's really tempting in what we're about to go into here to say, well, Jesus, when he says this, this is called the antitheses. That's what these are called in scholarly circles. That you have heard it said, but I say this. Jesus isn't negating the you have heard it saids. He's not throwing them out. That would not be very new Moses-like. What he is saying is, when he goes into the you have heard it saids, and then he says, but I say, he is accentuating those laws. He is expanding upon them. He is saying what they really mean is this. You have heard it said this, and you may have taken it literally in such a way as this, but what I'm telling you is actually what it means is this. This is what the law aptly applied looks like in this community. Very challenging stuff. And he's also getting his rabbi on, isn't he? Absolutely. It's a rabbinical teaching style, that's for sure, which is to uh, move from uh, one position to almost an ex another exaggerated position or a, a position of almost infinity in some sense to to make a point uh, about the subject the topic the idea and so yes definitely no negation 
almost fulfillment in an extreme sense in such a way as to create a, I don't know, uh, caricature is not the right word. That sounds as though we think it's poking fun at. That's that's not the case. But a caricatured sort of understanding of relationship and uh, love for agape, love for one another, that is extreme, radical, complete. Yeah. Yeah, I like, I like what you did there with saying a, a caricature. I mean, again, you're right. You don't want to make it look like it, this is allegorical or analogical, metaphorical, any any fancy schmancy word with I-C-A-L on the end. But he is reframing what might have been contemporary or traditional thought on what the law meant. And he goes through it categorically. He goes through it one section at a time. He starts off with something that the people, the congregation on the mountain with him would have more than likely agreed with. You have heard it said that you shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. Okay, Jesus, yeah, well, you know, you're right. And he says, but I say to you, and this reminds me, by the way, of all, I feel like there's this, an old aphemism, or, or is that the right word? Saying. Let's go with saying. <laughs> what is aphemism? Did Aph- I just aphorism, maybe? Aphorism. Yeah, aphorism. It's, it has an R. Hey, in it. everybody, listen. We've gotten so much education, the two of us, that there's no possible way to track all these words. Is aphemism even a word? I, I think it's rism. Yeah. It is rism. Yeah. I, let's leave. I would, let's I just would, move on from aphemism. I would ask Layton <laughs> to edit that out, but that wouldn't be very real. Uh, let's, let's leave it. Let's, let's be just real. Leave Especially it right since it there. wasn't me. I, it reminds me of the aphorism. Yes, aphorism, a pithy observation that contains a general truth, such as, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Okay, here's another aphorism. When you say a sentence and you say the word, the conjunction, but, it negates everything that comes before it. That is very typically the case, yes. Jesus is not doing that here, people. True. Hence the confusion, though. It's a good thing to point out. Yes, so I say to you that if you're angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you'll be liable to the council. And if you say you fool, you'll be liable to the hell of fire. Daggummit, Jesus. There are so many times when I'm reading this particular section of the Sermon on the Mount, I'm just like, I feel so indicted. And it's clear that that he is setting a, a sort of standard of what it means to follow him. No doubt. And it's relationships, how we treat each other. Ultimately, that's really, especially when you think about the plural you, the y'all in this, that's really what he's going after is a new ethic, a new community. He, he addresses communal issues, again, one by one. Murder, anger, forgiveness. Then he gets into adultery. And he gets into divorce. Now, divorce, I will say, divorce was was the hot-button issue, or one of them, in Jesus' day. Why, why would that have been the case? Well, there's a lot at stake there, uh, certainly in that patriarchal world uh, for the woman, that's for sure. Um, because to be divorced, particularly 
uh, as in the time of Moses is being spoken about without certificate. Without, I mean, you're just left basically unmarriageable and vulnerable and unsupported. Um, it's a it's a whole different understanding of divorce than 2023 United States of America in terms of what it specifically is and its meaning in that place. Yeah, and I think it's it, you have to be really careful when you're interpreting texts like these um, to remember that they were written in a specific context, a very different society, very different culture. And when you look at verses 27 to 32, it reads like women are the culprits. They are the ones who are sexually immoral or they are the ones who commit adultery. Again, one must wonder if, if for Jesus, what's at the heart of, of these teachings? What, what's going on with him? Well, again, community, relationship. We're all called to be in community with one another, and, and an, an issue or a topic or whatever you want to call it, like divorce in that day, to be in community meant to look out for those who were in danger of being left behind. In this case, women. Um, but it, it, you know, that that brings us to a side note. It is easy to forget that that's that context when this was written, and it's it's tempting to just pick up this text and place it in contemporary society and say, well, this is the way it's supposed to be now. And in my opinion, Adam, that does violence. That does harm to the text and to the people who hear it. It's a good question to ask, I think, which is, what is the point Jesus is trying to drive? It's not that we are not taking seriously the words of Jesus. That's always super important to me is, uh, are we taking seriously what we have Jesus saying in the Gospels, um, and can we say we're taking something seriously if we seem to be in conflict with it or saying, well, that's not exactly what that means. Uh, I do think there's a, there's a high burden on us Christians when we feel called to interpret in that way, but this is a case, in my opinion. Obviously, I'm part of a church that uh, tries to, the United Methodist Church, as the um, Presbyterians, I mean, we try to move on with people who've experienced divorce. We acknowledge brokenness and pain in that, and then that what we want is best possible outcome for everybody involved and children involved and uh, love and support and reconciliation and new life. I mean, that's that's where we're driving toward uh, rather than somebody being marked for the rest of their lives. And uh, uh, and I think I think that's a valid response of an ethic, an ethical way to live in response to this teaching. Doesn't get any easier either. (laughs) Well, that's what an ethic does for you. So we like, all of us humans, we like lists of uh, do this and don't do that, you know, but that's not what Jesus ever gives us. He gives us an ethic. Well, and if he gives us a list like this, it's, 
dare I say impossible. It's I mean, a, it, I think intentionally impossible. It, yeah, because this is what he does. He builds it. I mean, he continues to build it. He builds into, you know, the famous passage on retaliation. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, turn the other also, which people have taken quite literally. We spoke about in pre-production the nonviolent movements, yeah. resistance movements mm-hmm. of Martin Luther King Jr., of uh, Gandhi, uh, folks who have taken this literally, although I'm sure you and I both know that we live in a world where cheek turning ain't a thing, really. It, I mean, it, 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 you Love see it of in enemies. some places. Yeah. 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 Um, but we are more the type uh, in our culture and world uh, to retaliate. And that's not what Jesus is about here. And he, and then he culminates this whole sermon with loving enemies, as you just said. Um, loving neighbor, hate your enemy, but I'm, I say love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And it all builds and builds and builds until verse 48. He says, be perfect, therefore, as your, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Yes. What? And that's exactly the reason that I say I think it's taken to an intentional place. So you can think about other uh places where Jesus taught in this way anytime somebody tried to uh, nail him in some sense to specific positions like uh, what do I need to do to inherit uh, to to the kingdom of heaven and Jesus says well what does it say in scripture well it says keep the commandments I've kept them all since I was a child I'm thinking about the rich young man here and Jesus says well that's fine Uh, sell everything you have give the money to the poor come follow me Interesting response, <laughs> and then he walks away. Yeah, yeah. Or think about the, um, the the lawyer trying to trap Jesus into a discussion of who is my neighbor, and Jesus' response is to tell the Good Samaritan parable, and then uh, and then forces the man to draw his own conclusion because Jesus says, "Who do you think was the neighbor?" <laughs> I'm not going to say who do you which, think. It was? Which to somebody in that context has a. Uh, person of the Jewish faith yeah, to hear that the Samaritan is the hero. The Samaritan is doing what the Jewish neighbor so, should do, and so is the neighbor. So here's the question then. What do we do with these texts? <laughs> I mean, I, I really do, and, and I think it's important that we pay attention. I, I can hear my professors saying this. Pay attention to your bodies as you, as you read these texts. I, I have to say, I don't read this text, and I think to myself— yeah, <laughs> I almost feel shame or I feel defeated and because I can never possibly reach the right, standard that right, he right, set. Right, so right, what, right. what do you think, what do you think we do with that? Well, I mean, in light of the entirety of Scripture in the New Testament, I would say we take it as an uh, invitation to freedom from some need to measure up somehow. Um and instead understand an uh, invitation to a kind of heart orientation toward God and others, which, again, is the entirety of the law and prophets, right? Love God completely. Love your neighbor as yourself. Who's my neighbor? Well, here's a good Samaritan story. So uh, it's an invitation to a way of life that is actually free. So think about Jesus saying, my burden is not, uh, my yoke is not heavy, is light. The, the Pharisees are the ones who tie up packs on the backs of the people, and they won't lift a finger to help them. It's not Jesus' style to do that. So it is a complete fulfillment, which interestingly, there's always a flip of the script with Jesus, uh, brings freedom to the disciple. 
Yeah. And I think it's important to remember again, as we've said a number of times, Jesus was living in, in a time of empire, a time of violence, a time of oppression and suppression. Always important to keep that running. And he is offering up a different way for the congregation who would dare to follow him. It's not to say that we're going to be perfect, although he says we we should strive for that. Be perfect, therefore. But it is to say you are to be different. This is the world. Look around and see this world that you're living in. You have heard it said this way. You've interpreted it this way, but it's actually meant to be interpreted much more radically than that and strive for that. You are a people set apart. Now act like it. Exactly, my brother. Could not agree more. That wraps it up. (laughs) At least our intro into this. There's so much more work you could do, we could do on texts like these. So read up on it. Look at commentaries, Google it, do all the things. But that's what James and Adam have to offer for you on this very <laughs> difficult Enjoy. scripture for the day. As always, pay attention to our social media feeds, Facebook, Instagram at Lewis and Broad and lewisandbroad.org. This is this week's episode of Catechesis for you good folks. My name is James Goodlett. Adam Roberts. We'll talk to you all next time. Thanks for joining us this week at Catechesis. Follow along on our social media and our websites at fpclagrange.org and lewisandbroad.org. Until next week.